Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you again for joining us again this week on the program, and I trust you again are enjoying the things that you're, you're hearing. Uh, I encourage you to set your DVR or uh, your VCR, or if you still have a VCR or whatever, uh, just to, so you can record these programs in consecutive order because sometimes hearing them in context one after the other can really help you to connect the thoughts. Uh, also, let me just say this to you as well. You can go back to our YouTube page and watch us on YouTube. Everything we have aired to date uh, is archived there on YouTube. So you could say, well, I, boy, I loved what you said today. I missed it. I wish I could go back and watch it again. Well, you can you can go back to YouTube and watch it. You can also go back, I think TBN uh, kind of archives it for at least a little while. You can go back for a couple weeks and watch it on ITBN. But YouTube will always be there for you. Also, you can get the audio from these programs. You can get the audio versions of it on iTunes simply by going there and subscribing to our podcast. It will be delivered then to your iPhone or your iPod or your iPad. Uh, for those who do not have iPhone or any of those devices, it will work on Android. If you go to my website, there is a link there for the RSS feed for the Android so that you can get the audio of it, you can go back over it, listen to it again, and watch it. Uh, one of the things that we have uh, given several pastors permission to use our YouTube stuff in their Wednesday night uh, prayer uh, uh, meetings, and they're using this as a teaching on Wednesday night, and then they're having some conversation dialogue about it. See, one of the things that I'm not, I'm not at all uh, upset about is the fact that people can take the things that we have shared and uh, you know, may discuss them. If even if you don't come to the same conclusion, say I'm 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 convinced that uh, I, I'm progressing in my theology. So there will be things that I'll change my mind about, even as I uh, study and learn more and more uh, concerning the scriptures. So uh, as I do, I'm, I'm I'm adjusting those things, and that's perfectly all right, and that's okay as far as you not agreeing with every detail of what we're saying. It's the details are not necessarily, the little small details are not as relevant as, as seeing the whole big picture of what's occurring here. And so I, I trust you're being blessed by that. Now what we're going to do is jump back again where we were at last week. We were dealing with the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. And if you, would, uh, if you want to, you can read with me if you'd like. Uh, I'm going to begin reading and just deal with this a little bit. It says, There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred threescore days. There was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great red dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. 
And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused him before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, you that dwell in them. Woe the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth waters of flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of a flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth and with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now we begin to share with you last week how that in a book full of signs and symbols, that this uh, is a great sign. In other words, it's a really big one. Don't miss this one. And it is so multifaceted and so multi-layered. And you can see, as you read this, you see, uh, like maybe you could see one aspect of truth, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna just kinda paint a, a brush stroke, if you will, of the big picture. Because to me, this particular picture, first of all, this woman, let me, let me, let me just read to you something that I, I discovered uh, from the writings of, I believe it was in uh, the writings of David Chilton. This was in uh, uh, a book called Days of Vengeance by David Chilton. And he writes this, that the word that John uses for a sign is a term used in the ancient world to describe the constellations of the zodiac. Symbols of the zodiac are used all through the book of Revelation. This particular constellation is that of Virgo or the Virgin, which does have a crown of 12 stars, interestingly enough. It seems likely that the 12 stars also represent the 12 signs of the zodiac. And from ancient times, uh, as signs of the zodiac from ancient times regarded as symbols of the 12 tribes of Israel. In Joseph's famous dream, his father, mother, and the 12 tribes were symbolized by the sun, the moon, and the stars. We've already dealt with some of that in prior segments of the constellation. And when the camp was at rest, this is amazing to me, they were assembled around the tabernacle. Their order corresponded to the 12 signs of the zodiac of their constellations. Now, I think that's incredible. And you say, well, now before you start thinking, now Brother House is really getting off into some new age, or he's spooky, or he's getting off into, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, our, our horoscope. First of all, I want to say to you that the 12 signs of the zodiac have nothing to do with your horoscope. I, it's amazing to me. I've taught some of this at times, and people come to me and say, I was born in October. What does that mean? It means you were born in October. <laughs> uh, the 12 signs of the zodiac are not trying to tell you what your future holds. What the 12 signs were is long before there was ever holy writ or scripture, God wrote his plan in the heavens. When David writes this, he says, night unto night they utter speech. The heavens declare your glory, and night unto night they utter speech. Romans, I believe it is chapter 1 and chapter 2 tells us that the heavens declare and that there is no place that their voice is not heard so that even if you don't have a Bible, you're without excuse because God wrote his plan in the heavens long before there was ever a written page. Uh, the writer of the book of Job also says, can you loose the band of Orion? Can you bind the sweet influence of Pleiades? 
Uh, Orion is not a movie company. It is a constellation. Pleiades is a constellation. He says, can you bring forth Maseroth? Maseroth is the 12 signs of the zodiac. Can you guide Arcturus and his sons as they make a path through the sun? Arcturus and his sons is the great shepherd as he leads his children and his flock through the path of the heavens. And he says then in Job, uh, do you understand the ordinance of the heavens and can you set their dominion in the earth? Let me take something heavy and mystical and make it simple. What God is simply saying is, can you reproduce in the earth what's happening in the heavens? And what was happening in the heavens was a powerful picture uh, as these 12 signs of the zodiac begin with a virgin or they begin with Virgo, who is a constellation of a virgin who has a seed of corn in one hand, a crown of 12 stars around her head, and she has a wave of sheath in the other hand. And what the constellation of Virgo is declaring is a virgin is going to conceive, and she's going to have a seed, and that seed is going to fall into the earth and die. But if it dies, it's going to bring forth much fruit. That's why she's waving a sheath of first fruit in the other hand, is that his death is going to produce a great harvest. And I believe that there is a, uh, as, you, as you see from uh, from, from the Virgo, a, a woman who conceives to the other end of the spectrum, which is Leo, who is a lion. Now, if that doesn't wake up something in you to realize that this lion is the lion out of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. So it starts with a woman who has a seed. And you see, even in the heel of one of those stars, I believe it is in the heel of Hercules, who is the great one who has the serpent by the throat, that the name of that star literally means the one whose heel is bruised is the one who will bruise the head of the serpent. So it starts with a virgin who has conceived. It ends with Leo the lion. The lion out of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. So the heavens are simply uttering the plan of creation. It is simply uh, uttering the message of the gospel, that it begins with the virgin and that there has been a constant battle for the seed of this woman to try to destroy the seed of this woman, because if it can destroy the seed of this woman and persecute this woman, it can accomplish its goals. But we know the end of the story is that this serpent is defeated, his head is bruised, he is destroyed, and this woman brings forth a man-child who is to ultimately rule the nations with a rod of iron. In that same chapter that I was reading and some of the research that I got from Chilton it literally uh, also brought something that I thought was profoundly interesting. And I wrote this in my notes. I said, interesting enough, according to Professor Ernest Martin, is who he quotes, he carefully and painstakingly narrows down the probable date of the birth of Christ to sometime in September 3 B.C., at the period of, of Christ's birth. Because the sun is in her mid-body and the moon under her feet, the only time during which the constellation of Virgo that the moon is under her feet and the sun in the mid-body is observed, that the only time that it is the sun is mid-body and the moon is under her feet in the constellation of Virgo that could be observed from Patmos or from Palestine would have been uh, September uh, 11th, I think that's interesting. Between uh, September 11th, between six, this is so powerful to me, between 6.15 p.m. and lasted until 7.45. This is the only day in the holy year, this is the only day in the holy year that this could have taken place. As an added bonus, sundown on September the 11th 
3 BC, was also the beginning of what is called in the Hebrew tongue Tishri, one of the Jewish calendars, on the Jewish calendar, I'm sorry, Rosh Hashanah, or the Day of Trumpets. That is incredible to me that Jesus probably, I, I think this is just interesting, it's not a fight to me, but I think it's pretty powerful that the only time uh, that the sun was in the mid-body of the constellation of Virgo and the moon under her feet during the year that Jesus was born would have been during the Feast of Trumpets. And the central theme of the Day of Trumpets is, uh, uh, is one of its purposes is clearly that of the enthronement of a king, or the great king of kings, and it follows on the heels of the sounding of these trumpets, interestingly enough, that the last trump and declare the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of God and of his Christ. So uh, what, what, interestingly enough, is that probably Jesus more than likely was not born in December. I think most people already know that. But he was born during uh, the seventh month, which I've always kind of embraced anyway. But uh, interestingly enough, can kind of narrow it down to September the 11th, 3 BC, because that would have been the time not only uh, when the sun was in mid-body, the moon under its feet, in that exact time, same time slot between 6.15 in the evening and 7.45 in the evening was probably when he was born. But as that time came to an end and the evening of that, that September 11th was also the beginning of Tishra, or if you will, Rosh Hashanah, uh, the sounding of the trumpets to announce there's a king. That's powerful to me. I'm telling you that we just came from the last Trump teaching some several weeks ago where we talked about this, what the purpose of the trumpets was. One of them was to announce the Day of the Atonement. The other was to announce the uh, Day of the Lord. Another one is to announce the enthronement of a king. All of this is what's occurring here. It's an announcing, there's a king who's reigning. There is a blood that has been shed, and you can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of His testimony. And that there is a victory that was won because a virgin did conceive, and a virgin had a son, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And we based our whole assumption, uh, you know, even on this sign, not our whole assumption, but it says, uh, you know, concerning a sign, that the sign, uh, according to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Isaiah, uh, it, let me just, I don't have, I have the exact chapter, but I do have the verses written down. It says, Moreover, the Lord spake unto King Ahaz, saying, Ask the sign of the Lord. Ask it either in depth or in height above. But Ahaz said, I won't ask a sign, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear now, O Israel, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary God also? The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That was the sign. And the sign that he gave them that they should have understood was a great sign in Israel when a virgin conceived to have a son, and this son was Emmanuel, God with us. And that that was the sign, uh, to me, a great sign in the heavens of the one who was ultimately going to bruise the head of the serpent. And we know, as you see, what all took place in Gethsemane, where he wrestles uh, great drops of blood. There is a real temptation and passion that he is undergoing. He passed the test. But you know, without me going into every detail of his redemptive work, that it was through his death, his burial, and his resurrection that he absolutely bruised the head of the serpent, disarmed principalities and powers, and handed to us an authority where we have authority over the works of the devil. 
I want to set the stage for that because one of the things I want to preach is not just a history or history or historic of what happened, but what that means for us going forward is that there are a there's a seed of the woman in the earth right now that still has authority because this woman doesn't end with Mary. It's a picture of the woman from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation that starts by saying that uh, in Genesis 3:15 that the woman uh, will have a seed and that enmity will between. Uh, let me read it to you, Genesis. 3.15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. I think that that's a powerful picture of the prophetic word of the Lord that God predetermined clear back in Genesis as here's how it's going to end. A woman's going to have a seed and that seed is going to bruise the head of a serpent. There's a, the constant battle has always been for the seed. It's always been a constant battle for the seed. But let me go on and just show you, uh, uh, let me read a few more uh, of these powerful pictures that I've written down in my notes. Uh, one of the things I wrote down is that this woman in the book of Revelation is not just a picture of Mary. She is a picture of this great sign. She is, she is the woman, if you will, who sets the precedence for all of the other women. She is the Eve of the New Testament. Uh, what, what is it Paul says? I, don't be, uh, I, he said, I'm concerned lest you be beguiled as Eve was to fall away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I think one of the things that we have done many times is fallen away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And because we don't understand the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, this serpent stands in front of the seed ready to devour it uh, ongoing. But I'm telling you, the victory has already been won. Now, let me just, let me just get you this. Uh, uh, here, here's some things that, that I think are powerful that will help us understand that this woman, again, is not just a picture of Eve, who is the mother of us all, not just a picture of, of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus, but a picture of the woman in general across the board. Because Isaiah chapter number, number, number two, see, number one, all right, I told you that there's a picture of Mary. But uh, as we also see, it is also a picture of a sun-clothed woman in the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, she is exactly like her husband, Jesus, because in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 16, his countenance is as the sun shining in his strength. So this woman is clothed with the sun. It looks to me like she's just like him. I love it. Hallelujah. In Revelation, the 10th chapter, there is a mighty angel with a rainbow on his head. He's clothed with the sun. So she is exactly like him. See, you know, people say a lot of times our blessed hope is Jesus returning. That's not necessarily our blessed hope. Our blessed hope is that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And can I tell you that I don't think that's just some event way out in our future. I believe it is that when you get a revelation of Jesus to you, it will produce a revelation of Jesus through you. And the more you see him, the more you are like him, the more you behold the glory of the Lord. You are changed from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You're not changed from heartache to heartache, not misery to misery, but you are changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so let me give you several scriptures to show you why I believe that this is a great sign or a great picture 
of all the women in the Bible that find their consummation or find their fulfillment uh, in, in the work of Christ and, and what his mother produced, but yet as we see that unfold greater in the bride of Christ and his corporate body and his sons and daughters as he gives them victory over all that. But Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And I believe it goes on to say, and kings shall come, and Gentiles to the brightness of your rising. You're clothed with the same sun that he's, the day star has arisen in your hearts. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 6, in verse number 10, again talking concerning the king's bride, he said, Who is this that looketh forth as the morning, fair as the moon, clear as the sun, and as terrible as an army with banners? He's talking about the bride of Christ here in the Song of Solomon. She's clothed with the sun, and she's fair as the moon. In, 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 uh, in, in uh, Judges, the fourth chapter, Verse number one is the story of Jael and Sisera and Deborah. It's a great picture of a woman bruising the head of an enemy because she puts a nail through uh, the temple of the great king. Uh, you, you see, and I think, it, you know, I, I got to talk about this just a little bit. Because in the book of Judges, there's a woman by the name of Jael and there's a king by the name of Sisera. Deborah is leading this uh, this, a woman is leading the victory here. To me, again, it's a powerful picture of the church leading a victory over the enemy, Sisera, who is plundering and uh, oppressing and defeating the people of God. But God arises a woman by the name of Deborah, and she leads this king into battle because this king is coward. He said, I'm not going into battle if you don't go. And she said, if, if, if I go, God's going to give the credit to a woman. And so Deborah leads him into the battle. And in the midst of the heat of this battle, this king by the name of Sisera runs into the tent of Jael, which I think is so, is so, is so powerful. He runs into the tent of this woman by the name of Jael, and she tells him, he says, uh, you know, let me rest here and give me a drink uh, to cool and cover me up. And if they come, you know, just in other words, kind of hide me from the enemies. What she does is she doesn't give him a drink of water. She gives him a drink of milk. Man, there's too much to preach in just a couple of minutes here. But milk in the scripture is a picture of the word of righteousness because in the book of Hebrews, he says, those who are not exercised in the word of righteousness have need of milk and not of strong meat. So the milk in the scripture ought to be the milk of giving us a steady diet of the revelation that the righteousness of God in the new covenant is not based on my performance. It's based on a gift of righteousness. Now I think what's really cool is she gives him this milk. Can I say it another way? The church in this hour ought to be feeding a steady diet of milk. That ought to be part of our diet is that you are the righteousness of God. I so appreciate the fact that in the last several years, the message of righteousness by faith and righteousness as a gift has permeated the church. That is so powerful. Because what that will do to any king 
or any enemy that tries to rise up in condemnation and accusation. Remember, this dragon in the book of Revelation, all he has is a mouth and all he has is accusation. He accuses the brethren. He is the accuser of the brethren. But see, you can't accuse me because I've been drinking milk. I know I'm the righteousness of God, and I know I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and there's nothing you're going to do. And what ha happens is, is when I drink that milk, it calms down all the enemies. But I love this further. What she does, what JL does, is she takes a nail. Man, I think this is powerful. She takes a nail. Man, if you can take that thought and connect this nail to the nail that nailed Jesus to the cross, and what you can see is that the nail she has in her hand is representing the finished work of Jesus Christ. She takes that nail and puts it on the head of Caesarea. Can I just say it like this? She puts it right on that carnal accusation. She puts it right on every thought that lifts itself against the knowledge of God. She lays it on every principality that opposes what God said about you is true. She, he, she lays it on everything that keeps you from standing fast and that your testimony, remember they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I believe that this nail is our testimony that lays that nail right on the head of the carnal mind, right on the head of the enemy, right on the head of the one who needs to be bruised and she takes a hammer and she runs that nail through his temple and nails that dude to the ground. I'm telling you sometimes I believe we need the gospel preached so strong until it nails us. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm about, I'm about to jump up here and preach today. Because this, this woman, J.L. and Deborah, again, are a powerful picture of women throughout the scripture, whether it's Hannah uh, or Esther. All of these are all plots of the enemy to get women and their seed destroyed. But God always has a woman and God always has a seed and God always has a deliverer that triumphs. And what you see in Revelation 12, I believe, is a great consummation of this woman clothed with a son who looks just like her husband, who refuses to back down to who her real identity is. And even though the flood coming out of the mouth of the dragon says, you're not righteous, she says, I am righteous. Here's a nail. I'm going to put it on your head. Whether it's an Esther who stands up and says, listen, I'm going in to see the king. And if I perish, I perish. He holds out the gold scepter of righteousness and says, ask me, I'll give you the half of the kingdom. I'm out of time. Stand fast in your testimony and don't back down. Let me just say, take a moment, call that number on the screen. Sow a seed into the ministry. It is your gifts and financial prayer, uh, financial aid and prayer that help us keep the gospel going around the world. We need your help today. God bless you. Call that number on the screen and tune in again next week at the same time. God bless you. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.